uh, in our sharing and teaching last Sunday, we began to look at the making of the men of God. We're looking at practical discipleship, how God uses men to shape other men for his kingdom. And we look at the example of Elisha, how Elijah took Elijah, Elisha, in order to shape him so that Elisha will become the next prophet to be used by God for the accomplishment of his purposes. We saw that God calls men, but God does not just use people because he has called them. God uses people because they have been shaped into his likeness in order to feed into his divine purposes. We looked at how Elijah passed with Elisha through certain stages. And those are actually the stages in the making of men that God will use. We started looking at Gilgal. We looked, began to introduce Bethel, started talking about Jericho and then Jordan. And finally, how Elisha saw Elijah taken after Elijah had said, what will you want me? What will you want to happen to you? What do you want me to give to you before I'm taken away from you? The things of God are given to men who pay a price. And we saw the case of Elisha, that he was not a lazy man. He was called when he was at his business, during the normal service that he was carrying out for himself, for his family, for his parents. And today, we want to look at two critical aspects of what we handled last week. Remember, we are talking about the practical discipleship. Those who followed our teachings, when we were looking at the revival messages, we, we handled a number of things that ought to be uprooted from our life in order that we may become the people that God can actually visit. We have come to the second part of that message. But we are looking at some men of God in the Bible to equally see how those, that message was written in their lives. How were they shaped in order that they became the type of people that God actually used for his purposes? God wants to use you. But for God to use you, you need to be built up. You need to be discipled. You need to be shaped into a particular type of person that God can use to impart his likeness into the lives of others. Elijah went with Elisha through Gilgal. So we, today we shall look at two stages a bit more detailedly, and we shall be looking at some of those things that need to be written in our lives. After we have uprooted a number of things, there are certain things that need to be written in our lives in order that we may become effective in the hands of the Lord. To refresh our memory, let us go back to the book of Second Kings chapter 2. From verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elijah, Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. He said, as the Lord lives, there is God who does something in your life. But he equally said, as you live, God passes through man in order to transform you into what you ought to be. 
as the Lord lives and as you live, as the Lord lives and as you live, there are people who are still alive today that God wants to use in order to change your life. The unfortunate thing with many young men, the unfortunate thing with many believers is that they don't want to go close to such people so that they can build them. It is only when God would have taken them away that you begin to remember that God brought a man into your life, but you did not go close. You kept your distance from that man, and as a result of that, you were not used, that God did not use that man to transform you into what you ought to be. Your Elijah went away when you had not gone close to him to be transformed into the Elisha that you ought to be. You had, Moses went away when you had not gone close enough to Moses in order to learn all the things that you ought to learn. And now here you are in the position of leadership and knowing very little. And as a result of that, you will make a mess of the purposes of God that have been handed over to you. Your Paul went away and you as Timothy, you did not go close enough in order that as Paul said to Timothy, the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses pass across to faithful men who will be qualified to teach others. You have heard nothing from Paul and as a result of that, you have nothing to transfer. Even if there are faithful men around you, there is very little that you know so that you do not know what to transfer and as a result of that the, the, the purposes of God will not be effective in your hand Elisha said as the Lord lives and the Lord is always alive and as you live Elijah will not be alive forever. Unfortunately, many people, while their Elijah was around, while their Elijah was alive, they kept their distances as the other prophet, the company of prophets we saw last week who knew what was going to happen, but they did not go close enough so that the man of God may transfer certain things into their lives so that they can be able to continue with the interests of God. Elisha said, as you live, I will not leave you. As you live, as long as you are alive, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the company of the, pro of the prophet at Bethel, they came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? They were the company of the, the of prophet at Bethel, but they never knew the experience of Bethel. They were the company of prophet at Jericho, but they never knew the experience. What is meant to happen to a person at Jericho? Because what happens to a person is dependent on what has happened between you and the Lord and between you and the Elijah that God has given to you. Are you a committed person that can say as long as the Lord lives and the Lord will always be alive and as long as you are alive Elijah, I will not leave you. Have you gone so close to a person enough that the person, God has used that person to transform you into something else? transform you into someone that he can use. Where were they from? He says, they were coming from Gilgal. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. They were coming from Gilgal. And that's the first thing we want to handle today. We shall look at Gilgal. We shall look at the next step in the shaping of a man of God, Bethel, Gilgal. Let's look at Joshua chapter 5. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 5. From verse 1. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. What God did 
caused the heart of these kings to melt. They were afraid to face the Israelites. The fact that people are afraid of you does not mean that you will defeat them. It's at the battlefront, not because people are afraid that we shall see who is who. People may fear, but at the battlefront, they will discover that you are nothing. That they, they, they were afraid of you for no reason. And God decided that he would make his people qualify to defeat these kings who are afraid of them. Verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knife and circumcise the Israelites again. Joshua made flint knife and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeah Haraloth. And this is why he did this. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the desert on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out of Egypt had been circumcised. The people who came out of Egypt had been circumcised. And unfortunately, all the circumcised people died in the wilderness. And then here we have a group of people that were uncircumcised. A group of people that were uncircumcised were about to enter into battle to the possession of the land. And the Lord knew it that as far as these people are not circumcised, they will be defeated by their enemies. It is not because your enemy fears you. The enemy does not fear you. The enemy fears because the Lord is walking through you. It is God walking through the believers that will make the enemy not only to be afraid, it will cause the enemy to be defeated. It is not because of our strength, our physical strength. It is God at work in us that will bring our enemy to defeat. It is God at work in us. But for God to be at work with us, there need something need to happen in our lives. Something need to have taken place. And that's what circumcision, why circumcision is important for a person in order that he may enter into a covenant relationship with God and God will put a mark or a stamp upon that person and God will have a reason why he should begin to fight for that person. All the people who left Egypt, circumcised, had died in the desert. So all the people who came out who had been circumcised had all died. The Israel moved about in the desert 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died. Verse 7. So he raised up their son in the desert, and these were the one Joshua circumcised. They were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp until they were healed. The people, the parents that were circumcised had died. The chair we are with the children uncircumcised. The circumcised had died. The uncircumcised were the, the, now the one with the Lord. And God was about to start fighting a battle through the men who had no covenant relationship with him. Through the men who had no encounter with him. Through people who did not know him. And the Lord knew it that as far as these are the people he is going to use, he will not be able to defeat the enemy through those who were uncircumcised. So they had died. Joshua needed to circumcise them. One of the greatest problems of the church today are the multitude of people who are in the church. They have grown up in the church. Parents of believers, children of believers, Born by believers, grown up in the church, 
and even start ministering. They know the language, the Christian language, when they have not become Christian. They know the language of ministry when they have not become ministers. They know the language of the church when they have not become the member of the church. They are purely people who are there by birth. They do not know a circumcision. There's a lot of mixture. We have a lot of gathering, a gathering of people where there are people who do not have a personal relationship with the Lord. And we start building people who have not this, this personal relationship with the Lord. And as a result of that, there is constantly a conflict. A man who does not know the Lord, when you are challenging him to become totally committed to the Lord, he will not know why you are even saying that he has no personal relationship with the Lord. Something has not happened in his life. That's the greatest error of the church. We want to disciple people who do not have a relationship with God. We want to stir up people and challenge people to become consecrated. People who do not have a personal relationship with the Lord. So Joshua circumcised these people. Let's look at verse 13. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Verse 14, neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Verse 15, the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. The place where you are standing is holy. That's the same thing that God told Moses. And as we're going to see when we begin to touch Bethel, the, the, the same thing, angels that were ascending and descending where uh, 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 Jacob was. Because after Bethel, there is, after Gilgal, there was is always an experience of an encounter with God. An encounter where God takes over to begin to fight for you. An encounter where the angels of God are released to begin to fight for you. Because something has taken place in your life. God cannot be committed to use men who have decided that they will not be surrendered to him. There is a personal relationship with God that takes place and a man enters into a covenant relationship with God. A covenant relationship with God that begins when a man's heart has been totally surrendered and circumcised. Let's look at, open our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 17. As we look at what does this uh, circumcision, what is it all about? What are we talking about? Genesis chapter 17. We read verse 1 and 2. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. The Lord appeared to him and the Lord told him, walk before me and be perfect. If you walk before me and be blameless, then there will be a covenant relationship I will enter with you. I will confirm it and I will increase your number. And on this day, the Lord told Abraham, Abraham, you will no longer be called Abraham, you will be called Abraham. Let's go to verse 9. Then, the, then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant. You and your descendant after you for the generation to come. This is my covenant. Listen very well to what the Lord is telling Abraham. This is my covenant with you and your descendant after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Verse 11. 
You are to undergo circumcision and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant between Abraham and Abraham's descendant and the Lord. For the generation to come, every male among you who is eight years old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or born with your money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or born with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in the flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Listen to verse 14. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Circumcision was a sign of a covenant relationship. When we are talking about circumcision, we are talking about two things. We are talking about our salvation and our total surrender to the Lord. There is a starting point. Our salvation, the salvation of your parent cannot become your salvation. The consecration of a man's parent cannot automatically become your consecration. So there's a personal relationship that must start between you and the Lord. There's a crisis of surrender to the Lord. There's a crisis where the Lord reveals himself to you. And as he reveals himself to you, you surrender yourself totally to him. You cannot reveal God to yourself. But God reveals himself to you. You accept the Lord Jesus Christ. You accept him. But there is something that you do. You surrender. You are all. That's an act of consecration. A revelation of God to a man. Then a man responds by surrendering himself to, ye, to the Lord. There is a cutting of the heart. There's a circumcision that takes place. So that the Lord can be able to say, I have a sign of my covenant. On this man, the blood of the Lord. In Egypt, there was the mark of the blood upon every doorpost. This is the problem we have in the church. This is the problem we have in the building of people. We want to build us who have not committed themselves to the Lord. We have to build, we want to build us who have not surrendered their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to build us who have not had a revelation of who Jesus Christ is to them and who have not reached that point where they tell the Lord, I enter into that covenant relationship with you. I surrender my all to you in an act of consecration. It is consecrated men who can be built up. It is consecrated men who can be shaped up. It is consecrated men who are ready to follow the Lord at all costs, who can be disciples in the making of the men of God. We cannot bypass this first step. It is the step of a covenant relationship with God. And in a covenant relationship with God, God revealed himself to you. And in a covenant relationship with God, in your own part, you surrender your all to the Lord. A sign of covenant. And the Lord made it very clear to Abraham, any uncircumcised person in your family will be cut off. And the Lord changed the name of Abraham. From Abraham to Abraham. Even he changed the name of his wife from Sarah, Sarah to Sarah. It is a place of a new beginning. It is a point in your life when before you rule your life, from henceforth someone else begin to rule your life. It is a new beginning when before you were the leader of your life, you did what you wanted, but now you have reached a point where someone will show you what you must do. You are no longer the owner of your life. In the act of this consecration, this consecration, consecration, this circumcision to the Lord, you lose the right over your life and you hand over your life to be led by another, to be ruled by another. You hand over your life to be shaped for, an, for a purpose, the purpose for which you were created. It is such people that we will find it easy to disciple. You cannot disciple a man who has decided that his life cannot be surrendered. 
it will constantly be a strife, warfare. If you show him the things of God, he will fight you because you cannot throw godly, godly pearls to pigs. The things of God are disgusting to a man who has not decided to be totally surrendered to God. The pathway to be used by God starts from this point of a surrender to the Lord. As the Lord reveals himself to you, you obey by surrendering your all to this God who has revealed himself to you. It is the point of salvation. It is the point of your consecration. It is the point of total surrender. It is the point of laying down your all on the altar. It is a new beginning. It is a covenant relationship. Elijah started here with Elisha. They were coming from Gilgal. A transaction had taken place there. He had been called, but the man of God needed to be sure. A transaction has taken place between this man and the Lord. He needed to be sure. Is this man ready to go? This inner uh, circumcision. Is he ready to surrender his heart to the Lord? Is he ready to belong to the Lord? Or it is just that outward gymnastic that had taken place. Joshua started here with the Israelites. To, for each of them to enter into this covenant relationship. So that God can be able to say, these are my people. God can be able to say, I can pass through them to accomplish my purposes. God can be able to say, they have a mark of my covenant upon their lives. Do you have a mark? Have you reached that point in your life that it, it can be said, the heaven testify that you have had the revelation of who Jesus is to you. The heaven can testify that you have decided to lay down your all on the altar and therefore an Elijah can take you and move with you to the next step in your life. When that is not settled, forget about Bethel. When that is not settled, forget about being used by God to fight his battle. When that is not settled, forget about being used by God to accomplish his purposes. It starts from Gilgal. A place of salvation, a place of surrender, a place of circumcision, a place of total commitment. We do not wait after a hundred years, after ten years, after five years, after two years, before we say we want to surrender to the Lord. We surrender totally to the Lord on the day Jesus Christ was revealed to us. Then somebody can help you to build you up in this Jesus to whom you have decided to surrender your all. That's the error that has been made. It is also here that Samuel wanted to start with King Saul. Let's go to the, the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his people? Anointed leader over the people of God. That's what had happened to Saul. Let's go to verse 8. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offering and fellowship offering. But... You must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. Samuel told Saul, you are the anointed king, but to be the ruling king, something must happen in your life. Go to Gilgal. When I come there, I will tell you what you must do. Unfortunately, Saul did not do that. Where in chapter 13, in chapter 13, we are saying that the starting point is Gilgal. 
The starting point is the, the point of this circumcision. It's the point of this surrender. It's the point of this encounter with the Lord. It's the point of this salvation that there is a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ to you, but there is an action that you carry out. And that action is your surrender. You surrender your all and open your heart for a circumcision to take place. It does not take place along the way. It takes place from the beginning. Chapter 13. From verse 7. So, some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of God and Gilead. Samuel remained, Saul remained at Gilgal, as Samuel has said, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. There was a battle. But before the battle, Samuel wanted something to take place in the life of Saul. Verse 8, he waited seven days, the day said by Samuel, but Saul did, Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and so men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offering, and so offer up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and so went out to greet him. What have you done? Asked Samuel, so replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembled at Mi'kmaq, I thought, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Verse 13, you acted foolishly. Samuel said, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him, him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. What was the Lord's command? Wait in Gilgal for me to come. And what was going to happen what was going to happen to Saul was that when Samuel came, Samuel was going to take him through the circumcision process. Not a physical circumcision. It was a crisis in the change of his heart so that it will not be a thing. A man complained. A man who wants to do his own thing. A man of his own ways. Saul was a man of his own way. And that's the life of any man who is not circumcised. When the circumcision of the heart, when the this total surrender has not taken place, you are a man of your own way. You do what you want. You go where you want. You even begin to offer the sacrifice that it was the, the priest Samuel to offer. And as a result of that, your kingdom will not stand. The failure in the Christian life is because many people have done exactly like King Saul. They have not gone through the experience of Gilgal. They want to face the battle of the Lord. They want to serve the Lord when they are not consecrated to him. They want to serve the Lord when they are not circumcised. They want to serve the Lord when there's no change of heart. They will grumble against the Lord. They will grumble against leadership. They will grumble against the people and they will begin to do that which they were not supposed to do. Samuel told him, you have acted foolishly to set out without the circumcision crisis, without the Gilgal experience, is to act foolishly. To set out when you have not decided that your heart will be totally surrendered. You will grumble. Every difficulty, you will grumble. Every uh, uh, The slightest problem on the way, you will grumble. You will complain against God. You will complain against leadership. You will complain against the people. You will complain against everything. You will be a grumbling, complaining person. You will not know joy in the service of the Lord because you are not a surrendered person. Samuel told him, you have not kept the command of the Lord. And the command of the Lord was to be, be at Gilgal until I come. And when I come, something will happen to you. Are you rushing ahead to do the work of God? When you have not decided to be totally surrendered. When you have not decided to lay down your all. When you have not decided to know the circumcision of the heart. 
There will be opportunities ahead, a lot of opportunities. You will rush after opportunities. You will not rush after the Lord because your heart is not circumcised. Do you know this crisis? Do you know this covenant relationship where it is said and the heaven testify, this person has surrendered himself to me and this person belonged to me. Angels can testify. The Father can testify. The Holy Spirit can testify. The Lord Jesus Christ can testify. It is said that when the Lord was in Jerusalem, many people heard the word, uh, what he was preaching, and then they decided to believe in him, but he did not believe in them because he knew all men and he knew what was in man. He knew all men. The Lord who knows all men, knows the heart of all men, know whether you have decided to start from this point of a surrender or you have decided Have you reached that point? Now, why he was in Jerusalem? That is uh, John chapter 2, verse 22. Now, why he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast? Many people saw the miraculous sign he was performing. He was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all men. He did not need man testimony about man for he knew all what was in man. He knows the heart of all men. He knows the surrendered heart. He knows the consecrated heart. He knows those who are just looking for opportunities to make a name out of him. He knows those who are there for miracle. He know, He equally knows those who have decided they will be totally surrendered. Saul missed it. He rejected Gilgal and Samuel told him, your kingdom will not stand. Your kingdom will not endure. Your ministry, the ministry of many people do not endure because of only one thing. They did not start from the point of consecration. They started from the point of service. They started from the point of looking for miracles. They started from the point of looking for advantages. They started from the point of something else, not from the point of a surrender to the Lord. And the reason why you are even having a problem with that Elijah in your life who is trying to build you up and the slightest show of the will of God, the pathway of the Lord to you brings all those sadness, brings all those fighting is because you do not know the starting point of a surrender of your heart. You may only have been a child of a believer, but you do not know the circumcision that your father had. You may have been born in the church, but you don't know that crisis. You have not come to that point where you, the Lord has been revealed to you and you responded by surrendering your all to the Lord. Are you trying to build somebody and you people are just fighting and fighting and fighting? It is because you are trying to build a person who has not entered into a commitment to be surrendered to the Lord. That is what Gilgal is. A point of circumcision, a point of surrender. Most people have started their journey without the crisis of placing their heart, placing their all on the altar for the Lord. And as a result of that, they will deny the Lord along the way. Let's go to Bethel. So the Gilgal experience had been accomplished in the life of Elisha. There are details, transactions that are not told us here. But there were things that took place between Elijah, where Elijah confronted the man who wanted to follow him. This secret transaction. Because for Elijah, before he came to the scene, it is said, Elijah said, as the Lord lived, before whom I stand lives. John the Baptist started from the wilderness. In seclusion, Elijah started, Elijah started from the wilderness. There are transactions that takes place between you and the Lord that may never even be made public. A transaction of total surrender. You are all laid on the altar. Do you know that transaction? Then they move down to Bethel. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. Let's look a bit at what this battle is all about. 
Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 8, from there he went on toward the hill east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the east and I on the west. That is Abraham. He built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Abraham, between Bethel and I, built an altar to the Lord. It's a place of building of an altar to the Lord. It is a place of sacrifice. Bethel is a place of sacrifice. It's a place of prayer. It's a place of an encounter with the Lord. Genesis chapter 13. From verse 3 and 4. From the Negev he went on from place to place until he came to Bethel. We are looking at Abraham. To the place between Bethel and I where his tent had been earlier. Where he had sent Bill and Arthur. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. They were leaving the place of consecration, the place of circumcision, to the place of sacrifice, the place of prayer. Why do many believers find it difficult to sacrifice to the Lord? Why do many believers find it difficult to enter into this prayer experience, the building of altar to the Lord, because they do not know the Gilgal experience. From Gilgal, we move to the place of sacrifice, the place a consecrated man will find it very easy to sacrifice his all to the Lord. A consecrated man will find it very easy to spend hours, one hour after the other, cry out to God, fellowship with the Lord, talking to God. It was a place where Abraham sacrificed to the Lord. Abraham built an altar to the Lord. It was a place where Abraham entered into the experience of prayer. Bethel is a place of encounter. We have looked at Abraham and we say, Abraham built an altar. Abraham called in the name of the Lord. Have you reached Bethel? Where are the sacrifices in your life? Where are the altars you have built? And upon that altar, what are you putting there? What can it be said that you have sacrificed to the Lord with joy? Where is the life of prayer? Where is the time spent alone with God? Because you have finally gone to the place called the house of the Lord. Let's look at Jacob. Genesis chapter 28. From verse 10. When Jacob was running away from his brother Esau. There was an experience he had at a place where he finally named the place the house of God. From verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, it is called initially called a certain place. He stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. The sun has set over Jacob. Jacob did not even have what to sleep on. The only thing he had was a stone and then he used it to lay his head on it. Verse 12. He had, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth and with his top reaching to the heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Ascending and descending on it. Verse 13. There above it stood the Lord. There was a place and as he lay down to sleep, he had a dream and there was a stairway. From earth to heaven, earth to heaven, and the angel of God were ascending and descending, ascending and descending, and right up there was the Lord. Right up there was the Lord. There above stood the Lord, and he said, 
He said to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. I have promised you. When Jacob woke up from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it. He called that place Bethel, though the, the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow to the Lord. If God will be with me and watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food and to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. Verse 22, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Initially, it was a place. Bethel initially was just a place and a man who had reached the end of himself. A man who had nowhere to sleep, who had only a piece of stone to lay down his head. When he slept, he had an encounter with God. Bethel is a place of rest. Bethel is a place of an encounter with God. Bethel is a house of God, a place of rest, a place of revelation, a place of a renewal of promises, a place of an encounter. God renewed the promise that he had made to Abraham, to, I, to, to Isaac. He was now saying the same thing to, 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 to Jacob. It's a place of an encounter. A man who goes through circumcision, who knows this crisis of consecration, will become a man of an unceasing encounter, frequent encounter with God. You will encounter God again and again. You will have fear the word of God. You will see God. You will, you will meet God. You will hear his voice. And the Lord will renew his commitment again and again to you. Jacob said, the Lord was here and I knew it not. And that's the life of many people. Look at how people, some people go to that building called church, right inside the church. They are, they are, they are making their telephone call. They are laughing in a lackadaisical like way. Look at their behavior in the church. Because the Lord is there and they don't know it. They don't know it. They don't know that's the place. That's the place people have come to meet God. They enter and leave, enter and leave, enter and leave. They do not know the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, who when he was in the temple, sat down. And such people cannot even train their own children to know that you are in the presence of God. You are in a place where you have come to encounter God. Settle down. Some people that are there in the church, but their mind are somewhere. They are thinking about a girl somewhere, about a relationship somewhere, about a business somewhere. Their house, their hearts are given to many other things. The Lord said, is it not written, my house we call a house of prayer for old nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. To them, the house of God is a house, a place that they have come for one benefit, for one miracle. They have come. They are just waiting. Maybe when they will pray for them, they are thinking about other things. They do not know. Oh, the Lord is here. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. When did you last go to the place you call the house of God and your testimony was like Jacob? The Lord is here. That's what it means to have an experience of Bethel. The Lord is here. Do you, do you have that experience? 
Do you have that experience? The Lord is here. How awesome is this place? How awesome. Joshua was told you are on holy ground. Moses was told you are on holy ground. Do you know the presence of the Lord as holy ground? Is it a place of rest to you? Is it a place of revelation? Is it a place of encounter? Is it a place that when you go, you, you, you know that you have come to this place of rest? Bethel is a place of prayer. This house, my house, will be called a house of prayer for many nations, all nations. You may make a den of robbers where it's a place you go to chat. You are in the, in the church. You are typing your messages. You are thinking about other things. But know ye, it is a place where the Lord is. An awesome place. You are on holy ground. You are in the presence of the Lord. You are at Bethel. Genesis chapter 35. Jacob left this place. When on the journey... It is a place where you make promises to God. Genesis chapter 35. From verse 1. The Lord said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there. And build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Jacob had made a promise to the Lord. He went, got all the blessings. He had requested for only food. If the Lord will be with me and give me food to eat and clothes to wear. Have you forgotten where, what you wear? For Jacob, he wanted clothing to put on, food to eat. And God gave him not only clothing, God gave him not only food, God gave him wife, uh, God gave him children, God gave him flocks, God gave him wealth. And for many people, they have forgotten the promises they made to the Lord. God, if you would be with me, this is what I would do to you. And God was with them. God heard their cry and they forgot about the promises God, they made to God. May you remember the commitment you made to God when you were nothing. Now that God has made you into a something, do not forget God and do not forget the promises you made to God. The Lord told Jacob, go to Bethel. Bethel is a place to go and settle. The place to settle is the house of God, the presence of the Lord. Verse 2, so Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourself. Change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to the Lord who answered me in the day of my distress, who has been with me wherever I have gone. <clears throat> So they gave Jacob all the foreign gold they had and the ring in their ears. And Jacob buried them under the oak of Shechem. Then they set out and the terror of God fell upon the town all around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is better in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar to the Lord and called the place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. The Lord told him, go to Bethel and settle there. Jacob knew that the house of God, for a man to settle in the house of God, there are certain things he must do. He told his people, get rid of the foreign gods. Uproot the idols. Pull out the things standing between you and God. The reason why many have not settled in the presence of God, they, are, they enter the house of God, they enter the place of prayer, and they are thinking about other things, is because of the so many idols that have come into their lives. 
Their job has become an idol. Money has become an idol. The wife has become their idol. That, that boy in your life has become an idol. That girl in your life has become an idol. That business in your life has become an idol. They are called foreign gods. And as far as the foreign gods are in your life, you will not settle in the presence of the Lord. Jacob told them, purify yourself. Sin have come in. Many things have come in so that their heart have become filthy. The thoughts have become filthy. The looks have become filthy. Even the mind, many things have come in. Purify your heart. Change your clothes. Change your way of life. Put away that disorganized life. Put away that filthy look. And he said, uproot all this thing. Let us go to Bethel and settle there. So there are things to get rid of. The, the purification to be carried out. The, the change of clothing. And when they did that, they set out to go to Bethel. Have you set out? Have you decided to settle in the presence of the Lord? Consecration is not enough. Salvation is not enough. It is salvation that we put that produces us, transforms us into the people of God to become a people of the purposes of God. The people of God for the purposes of God. The people of God for fellowship with God. The people of God in order to hear the voice of God and begin to follow and do what God has commanded us to do. We don't end at Gilgal. Elisha told himself, I will not remain consecration. I have surrendered to the Lord, but it's not enough. I'll become a man of prayer, a man of sacrifice, a man of the purposes of God. That's what the next step in your Christian life is all about. They set out. And when they set out, the terror of God fell upon the nations around. They did not fight any battle. But the people fear them. People will fear us if we are people who, are, who have known this consecration, who have known this surrender. And if we are people who have uprooted, if we have not uprooted the idol, the things of the world in our lives, if we have not uprooted the thing that characterize the people of the world, why will the world fear us? If we have not pulled out all the things that need to be pulled out, why will the terror of God fall upon people? Why will people not fight us if we are like them? If we are proclaiming the, the name of another king, but living exactly like them in the kingdom that belongs to their own king, why would they not fight us? The Lord appeared to Jacob at Bethel and blessed Jacob. God protected them. It is a place for a change of name. Here at Bethel, when Jacob acted, let's look at verse 9. After Jacob returned from Padam Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. You need a second encounter with God and you need the blessing of God. That second encounter takes place in the house of God, not away from the house of God. That blessing you are looking for, child of God, your blessing is only found in the presence of the Lord. Your blessing is in the house of God. If you abandon the house of God for something else, you will miss the blessing of the Lord. Verse 10, God said to him, your name is Jacob, but your name will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be called Israel. So he named him Israel. At Bethel, there is a change of name. There's a change of your name. There's a new transformation. There's a change of your circumstances. It is in the house of God that you will have a new beginning. God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. It is at Bethel in the presence of God that will know fruitfulness. God wants to make us fruitful, but God cannot make us fruitful when we are away from him. A 
as we come, settle in his presence, settle in our local churches, settle and begin to seek God, begin to sacrifice to the Lord, begin to pray, begin to give ourselves to the person of God. We have chosen the pathway of transformation. We have chosen the pathway of revival. We have chosen the pathway of blessing. We have chosen the pathway of fruitfulness. We have chosen the pathway of a new beginning. We have chosen a pathway where our circumstances, our stories will be changed. Your story will be changed when you settle in the house of God. Not when you are a prostitute, you jump into the presence of God. Tomorrow you are somewhere else. You do not know what it means, a life of Bethel. Verse 14, Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him and he poured oil and a drink offering on it. And he also poured oil. He poured drink offering. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. That's the Bethel we are talking about. Bethel was also the place it was a play where Jacob encountered God. It was a play where Abraham started. It was equally a place where a, a prophetess like uh, uh, Deborah, that's where Deborah pitched his tent. That's where Deborah judged Israel. That's where Deborah had an encounter with God. And a woman as she was, the nation came to her. Judges chapter 4 verse 5. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidot, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came to her to make their, to have their dispute decided. It was a place where Deborah equally encountered God. The whole nation came to Deborah because Deborah had a place, had Time alone with God. Bethel is a place of encounter with the Lord. Judges chapter 20, verse 18. Bethel is a place where the people of God went to inquire of God. Chapter 20, verse 18. The Israelites went up to Bethel and inquired of God. They said, who of us shall go first to fight against the Benjamite? The Lord said, Judah shall go first. It was a place where they knew God was there to inquire of God. And when they went out and they were defeated, verse 26 the Israelites, all the people went up to Bethel and there they sat weeping before the Lord. It is a place, Bethel, the house of God. That's the place you go to weep. You don't go to weep to the people of the world. You don't go to weep to those who listen to you and mock at you. They were defeated. They went back to the house of God and wept before the Lord. Then they fasted that day until evening. And then they presented burnt offering and fellowship offering to the Lord. And the Lord and the Israelites inquired of the Lord. In those days, the acts of the covenant of the Lord was there. Bethel is a place of the act of the covenant of the Lord that represent the Lord. It's a place of the presence of God. It's a place of the act of the covenant of the Lord. It's a place to inquire of God. The house of God is a place of rest. It's a place to go and weep. It's a place that when you are defeated, you run back to. The house of God, Bethel. It was a place in the book of First Samuel. That is where Samuel used to go yearly. He would make his circuit, and starting from Bethel, he would go to Gilgal. The book of First Samuel, chapter seven, verse sixteen and seventeen. From year to year, he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah, judging all Israel in those places. It was a place that someone equally had 
his own encounter. He will go there frequently for renewal. And finally, it was a place that Saul equally needed an encounter. It was not just a place for a place's sake. It is said where God was. Chapter 10 of First Samuel. Then you go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men went up to God at Bethel. They were not just going to a place. They were not going to a building. They were going up to God. Bethel, the house of God, is a place where you are where you say you are going up to God. It was a place people went to God, not a building. What are we saying? The crisis of circumcision, the crisis of total surrender, that brings you to a place for an encounter with God. The place of sacrifice, the place of prayer, the place of total, this, oh, a place of rest, a place of revelation, a place where the ark of God is, the place where God is there. A place of renewal of the covenant, renewal of the promises God made, made to you. The place where you renew the, the promises God made to you, made to you, you made to God. A place where you go to settle, you pull away all the idols, you put away the filth in your life, you change your clothing. It is place for a new beginning. In the making of the men of God, there is the experience of Bethel. We shall be looking at some of the things that we have handled here as we, shall, as we are studying this pathway of revival, practical discipleship. We shall be looking at this sacrifice, this giving to God. We shall be looking at this life of prayer. Oh, we shall be looking at this life where God speaks to his children as they listen to God. Morning by morning, they hear the voice of God and they talk back to God. Do you know the Bethel experience? <clears throat> have you left Gilgal and have you gone to Bethel? How is your relationship with God? Do you know this depth? Are you enjoying fellowship with God? That may be where God wants you to enter into in your relationship with him. May it take place this day in your life.